podcast where we aim to encourage and equip parents in wisdom with hope and the gospel for the everyday. Your hosts are me, Kristen, and my husband, Pastor Pete. I'm back. All right, so this is our final episode for this first season, episode five. And today we decided to piggyback off something that Pete said in episode four. He said, um, Lord, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. Mm -hmm. So the idea that we believe the gospel, but in very real and practical ways, we don't believe the gospel. So why don't you just kick us off and explain more about what that is? I believe, but I don't believe. Yeah. Like, all right. Just say, for example, we touched on this a little bit uh, last episode. It's like, all right, I believe that God declares me to be righteous. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Okay. <laughs> but what about when you have a continual sin struggle? I may not believe it at that moment. And so it's identifying where I don't believe in the truth of the gospel uh, so that I would believe and it would impact that area of my life. So if we go back to the fact that, all right, why don't I immediately go to God when I sin? Well, a lot of us, it's because we're believing a lie at that moment. And the lie is we think that we have to clean ourselves up first. We have to feel sorry enough for our sin in order for God to accept us. Or we think that God's angry with us. So we think we can't go to him yet until we counterbalance and do enough good things to make up for it. And then God will be pleased with me. But if God is already pleased with me and there's nothing I can do to change that, I believe that at times, but then there are other times where I don't. And then, you know, another reason would, another area of unbelief is why do we even turn away from God in the first place? And Paul tells us in Romans 1 um, that we exchange the truth about God for a lie. And this causes us to worship and serve created things rather than the creator. So a lot of the lies that we believe about God is we believe that he's not good. We believe that God withholds and that he doesn't give. So I think, gosh, I mean, all the time for all of us, but even when we're thinking about this in in light of parenting, you know, when something bad happens or something doesn't go the way they want, or even tying it back to like, say, they didn't... um, make the team or they didn't Mm -hmm. win the election, you know? And so we don't believe in God's goodness. We forget his promises. We forget his steadfast love for us. Right. And so we need to be in the habit of preaching the gospel to ourselves. I mean, I I call it gospel self-talk because nobody talks to us more than we talk to ourselves. I mean, if you think about it, we have a running, um, voice in our head all the time throughout the day, just critiquing. I mean, we might be like, ah, beat ourselves up. Why did I do that? Why did I say that? Or whatever it is. And so we need a contrary voice. And so we need to learn the habit of preaching the gospel to ourselves so that we can remind ourselves throughout the day who we are based on who Christ is for us. Yeah. And what we see is more real to us than what God says. And that's highlighted in Genesis 3 when Eve saw, like all of Genesis 1 and 2, the emphasis is on God's spoken word. God said, God said, God said. And now Eve is basing reality on what she sees rather than on what God says. And that's what we do with our circumstances as well. And that's where we have to learn 
as my wife said, to turn it around, to have another voice, and to speak the truth of the gospel into those areas of our life. So, you know, we go back to this, what Paul says about exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Because we believe God isn't good, we look to find goodness in other things, created things. Because we believe that God can't satisfy, we look to other things to satisfy. And so the solution would be exchange the lie about God for the truth about God and believe that. So whenever we believe that God isn't good, this is where the gospel applies. How do we know that he's good? Because he sent his son uh, who was innocent and yet took all of our pain, all of our sin, and all of our shame upon himself. God gives because he gives his son. God does not withhold. He graciously gives. And it's in Christ where we ultimately see that God is good. Well, and I think a, a big struggle, at least this is something for our with, that our daughter went through and um, kind of the backbone behind my book FaceTime was just the idea that we feel or our children feel worthless, like they're not enough and like we have to be perfect and we have to perform mm-hmm. perfectly. All those areas where now we're constantly comparing ourselves. And so that's the voice that we hear. We mm-hmm. hear, I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. She's skinnier than me. She's smarter than me. He's a better athlete than me. Or mm-hmm. Nobody's going to love me. Everybody has a boyfriend or girlfriend except for me. So these are the voices so often that our teenagers in particular are hearing. And so we have to combat it with with like what we're talking about, the gospel truth, like who we really are. Like, okay, I believe the gospel, but here I'm not believing it because I'm right. believing that I'm not who God says that I am. Exactly. Exactly. And so that's where the phrase is live loved. And so we don't live in light of the reality of being loved because again, for us, it's it, on a human level in relationally, it's so much is conditioned or it's a cost benefit analysis. If I, get something from you, then we'll be friends. And then if I don't get a good return, then we cut it off. And we think that that's what God does with us. So we believe the lie that because of our sin, that God is some way affected (laughs) to where how he feels about us changes. And so that's where we constantly need... Or because of what other people feel. Other people I mean, feel, other yeah. people, you know, how they feel about us changes. And mm-hmm. so how that affects us, like what we what we feel and see is more real to us than what God's Word says. So right. all of a sudden, if a friend rejects our kid or a friend rejects us, then all of a sudden we feel like we're not worthy. And right. we believe that that's a more true reality right. than, than what God says. Right. Right. And this is where one of the, in Jesus's high priestly prayer in John 17, one of the things that Jesus wants believers to understand is that the love that God has for his own son is the love that he has for all who trust in him. So just think, I mean, the love that God has for Jesus is the love that he has for all of his children. It's the same love. It's a love that doesn't change. It is a love that is limitless. This is why Paul in Ephesians uh, prays for believers to grasp how great God's love for them is because he knows it's incomprehensible. It's so beyond us that we can't wrap our minds around it. 
And that's why he says that we need to pray and ask for God to help us to at least grasp it. And that's where, again, if we live loved, it changes everything. It frees us. Well, and all of a sudden, if we're living loved, what someone else's opinion of me is doesn't matter so much. It doesn't matter as much. Because we're so deeply affected by all of our circumstances and what other people say, or even what we think they might have said, because we create these false narratives in our head, and our kids do that too. And so I'm I'm saying this, (laughs) like speaking of us as adults, and and if we know this is true of us in our hearts, you better believe it's happening with your kid. And so if we can open up the door and enter in and be like, oh, this is what's going on with me, just that identification piece so that our kids can understand that that we understand. Yeah, so let's think of it this way. I remember having this conversation with our daughter when, again, she was struggling with her worth and her identity because no boys were showing interest in her. And I said, okay, honey, let me get this straight, and here's the way I want you to see it. You are allowing... The opinion of a pimply-faced teenage boy to carry more weight than what the God of the universe says about you. And that really hit her. I mean, of course, (laughs) she still struggles to believe it's true. But, I mean, it really did, like, wow. Like, that really is what she was doing. But we could do the same thing with so much, everything. We could be like, really? I'm letting, you know, her opinion or what I think her opinion is rule me. Because, I mean, seriously, we lose sleep over these things. Yes. Yes. And as a pastor, I let my preaching rule me. You know, my righteousness is found in how good of a sermon I give or how many uh, comments I'll get afterwards. And it's like, no, I have to constantly remind myself my standing before God doesn't depend on how well of a sermon that I preach or what people thought of it. So again, entering in with our kids and letting them hear how we struggle in these very same ways, how we struggle to believe the gospel is true, that frees them to be able to communicate. One, gives them the words to even understand what they're feeling, but but two, to open up about those struggles. Because I think so often parents are like, I can't get my kid to talk, or I don't know what they're thinking. And But I really think that when they see us as safe, when they see that we struggle in those same ways that we identify, and that we struggle too to believe the gospel is true, then they start to also communicate those same things. And it's normal. Here's the thing. It's normal. (laughs) This is normal Christian life stuff that we still struggle with sin. And that's where for our kids to understand that it's not like, oh, I'm never going to struggle with that again, or, oh, I'm beyond that. No, sin is so powerful. It is so invasive in our lives that it is the way Paul describes it. He personalizes it. He calls it the sin we are in sin. We are under its power. We're under its influence. And it will remain that way until glory. So rather than depressing me, it actually encourages me to know that I'm not alone. And that's where too many Christians, again, they just give the impression that they have it all together, that life is great. And it doesn't look like anybody struggles with sin when the reality is I constantly struggle to believe what God says about me is true. 
Well, and I think that right there should give us so much more grace and compassion yes, towards our kids. our kids in their sin, because I know that we think like, oh, they shouldn't be struggling with this anymore. <laughs> or, oh my gosh, how could you do that again? Right. But when we understand the nature of sin and our own um, tendency to go back and do the things that we don't wish to do, but we still struggle with those same besetting sins that, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, I should be better than this by now. Yeah, It's the same with our kids. And yeah. so getting that, oh my gosh, it's it enables me to give so much more grace to yes. them. Yes. And, and like you said, it frees them because now they know that you identify with them. And if they know that you identify with them as a fellow struggler, uh, then it's easier for them to come to us with their struggles. And that's the beauty of it. And again, this is also where we talk about being grace-oriented instead of law-driven in the way that we deal with our parenting with our kids if we come at them as shocked. So a phrase is, because of the gospel, Christians should be the most unshockable people. Because why does it surprise us that people struggle with sin? And yet it still does. And that's because even there we're not believing the gospel. Because here's the reality, and this is what I've discovered throughout my life. When I was single, I would say I was selfish, and I believed that. I really did. And then I got married, (laughs) and now I know I'm selfish. It's worse. And then when you have throw each kid in the mix of that, you begin to see that, man, I live for myself more than I do for others. And when I see that reality, I see how ugly it is and I hate it. And as I learn to hate it, that's where now I learn to see Jesus is everything I'm not. So growth in the Christian life is growing more and more in an awareness of how much I really need Jesus. And the older I get, I'm finding I need him a whole lot more than I did when I was 20. Yeah, (laughs) so true. I had no idea how desperately I needed him. So if we can help our kids get that at a much younger age than most of us understood that, oh my gosh, I just think how much um, just... I don't know, better off is the word, but just for them to be able to navigate life and to live more dependently on him for a greater part of their life. I mean, I already see with our kids and especially our daughter in college, just her um, understanding of her heart and sin Mm -hmm. and who Christ is. And I I think, gosh, I I had no idea in college. (laughs) And again, it, it just goes back to the reality is that when you get and understand God's grace towards you, it makes you a more gracious person. It makes you more compassionate of others and their struggles. It makes you more understanding of others and their struggles. And that's humility, and that's Christ-likeness, and that's growth. And that's what we talked about in episode one, living redemptively, is Mm -hmm. to give and get grace. Yeah, And so... Really, okay, I guess this is a good way to just kind of sum up this first episode or first season of living redemptively. Mm-hmm. I mean, getting a category for sin and understanding grace and dealing with the reality that we believe the gospel, but we struggle in the day in and day out um, right. of life to believe that to it's To believe true. it all the time, right. And so that's why, again, the man... When Jesus asked, do you believe? He said, I believe, but help with my unbelief. 
And so we all need help. And that's one of the reasons why we consistently and constantly need to hear good news, not good advice. Good advice will lead us to ourselves, lead us to trust in ourselves, lead us to try harder. Good news enables us to step off the performance treadmill and rest. Rest in it is finished. It is done. It is over. God is not mad at you anymore. Hmm. And that is such freeing good news. I hope that you've all found this to be refreshing because I think so often what we're hearing, well, I know what we're hearing from the world, but even hearing in Christian circles, it's it's not freedom. It's not grace. So um, if this has been helpful, I would love for you to go leave a review. Um, and I am anticipating that maybe we will come out with another season um, in the winter, kind of thinking maybe quarterly if, if Pastor Pete will jump on board <laughs> with this, or yeah. I'll be finding some guests maybe to come on with me. Yes. <laughs> we'll see. It's been fun, right? It this has been. Fun. So until next time, yeah. it's good being with you. It's kind of a family joke that I'm always telling my family, like, you like this. Right. So <laughs> that's what I'm telling you now. Yes. All right. Signing off for the last time this season.